0: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy name, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother Holy of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us, the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt the of Let us pray. O oh God, it instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, granted by the same Spirit may be truly wise and have rejoiced in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. O oh, Lady Padma. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. Father and Perry. Pray for us. St. Ignatius. Pray for us. Father okay, Just a, a brief summary of the method that we're following. It's like a tripod. The first is we start off with a an explanation of our topic for the week, so that's what we're doing right now, and it's uh, it's just a four-week program. So right here we'll be basically hitting the second week, and goes by very quickly. So um, given that, yes, uh, last last uh, week I spoke. I spent so much time speaking about the Bible, explaining the Bible, Uh, I'm not sure if I was clear as to what the protocol is. So the first is the talk, then after that is the time you're going to be spending alone uh, with God reading the Bible. And I tried to pack that idea in at the last. I said it three times, but I don't know if you got the drift. So we gave you, we gave you a handout which I wrote for you on a biblical passage, and I purposely wrote a, a summary of it, like a, sum, a summary of it, then some ideas on it. So the most important part of this program is, is the time that you're going to be spending with that biblical passage in the commentary with the intention that you're going to get close to God and start to talk to God. That's the whole thrust of this program is I, I I want through the Word of God to help all of you to have a connection with God. And to really fall in love with Christ. That's My desire is that you will fall in love with Jesus Christ. That's my purpose. That's my goal. Whether or not you're going to arrive at that, that that really depends upon you. Because we're we're making it as easy as possible for you to arrive at that goal. And there's only so much I can do. Okay, then you have to do your part. I'll do 90 to 95% of the work with my helpers, and you've got to do 5%. Okay? So you have to do your work. So. Now, how much time you want to spend with that biblical passage? Uh, some of your parents have worked with me over the years in my programs. Uh, with your parents, I'm very demanding. Okay, I want them to get the hour in and if they come to me, I'm asking do you get that hour in? And if they don't, I gently rebuke them. Okay, But for you, you know, your teenagers, you've maybe never read the Bible before, I'm going to leave it up to you. If you want, just, just by reading the passage and the commentary, unless you're a speed reader, it's going to be 15 minutes. Okay, The passage is about five or six minutes, and my commentary will be another seven or eight minutes. Now, if you want to read through that and meditate upon it, for example, the way I've arrived in my spiritual life, you can maybe give me one idea or one image, and for me, that's enough for an hour. But I'm in a different, I'm in a different place than you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a priest, and I've been meditating for more than half a decade. I'm sorry, more than a half of a century, so I have a little bit more training than most of you. So, given that most of you, you're beginners, the, the The key is that you've got to give time. okay, you've got to give time, you got to give time to it. So uh, it could be that many of you because I gave you so much material on the Bible, I didn't explain this part of the protocol. It's I'll take the responsibility for not being clear, but now I'm purposely starting off this class saying that once we finish the class and you're sharing, then every day for seven days, you have to try to find that time. And if you want to spend ten minutes, okay, fine. But if you don't do anything, it's almost as if you're frustrating the purpose of this course. I mean, if you want—I mean, I can entertain you if I want. I could tell stories and jokes, but that's—that's not, that's not the purpose. No, uh, the purpose is I want to connect you with Christ. Okay. I want to connect you with Christ so that you'll have an experience of Jesus Christ and he'll be the center of your life. That's my goal and I'm praying that God will hear my prayers and I believe that he will. I believe that he will. So is that clear? Yes. Okay. Okay. Now the, the, the third the third part of this protocol, this tripod is my lecture today will be will be a little bit shorter and we're going to be dividing you into into groups and many of you have already done my program that we did in June. It's going to be basically the same thing. Now, having dealt with teenagers for forty years, I know usually you don't like to talk that much in the group, you're a little bit shy, maybe you've not, never done this before. Okay, well at least uh, When your facilitators say, okay, what was the passage that you like most? Even if you just say, Well, I really like Genesis one, I like the creation of the stars, and I tend to be a poetic person. I look up at the sky, see the stars, and I just think about the the beauty of God. Yeah, that's enough. That's huge. That's great. I mean you didn't say you didn't say too many words, but I mean you're hitting the nail on the head. You understand? Not that you have to say if you want to explain that in greater detail, great. But uh, tr- try to try to share a little bit. I know as teenagers you don't want to share that much. But your sharing is very, very important. Okay? Every one of you are precious. And each one of you are going to get a different insight that will be different from the other, other nine teens that are going to be in your group. No? And let me just, I'm not going to give you a course in psychology, but you know what the word timid is, right? Timidity, it's a character defect that you have to overcome, okay? When I was your age, I was very timid. I admit it, no, very timid. I could go through a day without even opening up my mouth, go to school, come back, do my homework. I was very timid. Uh, but once I ended up in, in Argentina with the Latinos, that changed me almost overnight, okay? So I had timidity as a character defect when I was 13 or 14. Character defect means something you have to overcome. And it's related to pride. Okay? So uh, what whatever you whatever you're saying, whatever you're saying in the group is is very important. Okay? Don't think, well, I'm gonna say something that's gonna be kind of stupid. It's not gonna be stupid. It's not gonna be stupid. It's gonna be something very important, and all of you are going to receive different insights. okay? Because we're all different. And the Holy Spirit works with all of us in a different way. Okay, you hear me? So, really the success of this program, um, I'm doing all I possibly can with my helpers to make this program a success. And I'm, I'm writing this program out. It's a new program that I'm spending some of the free time in trying to write it. On a level that you can understand as well as your parents, but I repeat, the success of it depends upon your goodwill and your generosity with it. So try to try to give all you possibly can in this program. All right, today, uh, what we're going to be doing in the PowerPoint, I'm going to try to kill two birds with one stone. Is I'm going to give you your meditations this week. Then we're going to do another Bible trivia. Okay? Another Bible trivia. And with the help of Elvira, I decide that what I would do is this. If you're ever with Christians or Protestants, and you say, You're Catholics, you got the sacraments, where are they? Okay, so I'm going to try to give you the biblical foundation of the sacraments today. That'll be my trivia. So that someone in school says, Okay, The sacrament, where can you find biblical references to the sacraments? So I'm going to give that to you today. So after this class, anyone asks you, where can you find references to the sacraments? All of you will be able to give that response. And you'll know more than 95% of the Catholics in the world in that area. Because I don't think you, if you ask anyone, aside from a priest, where can you find the sacraments of the Bible? None of you would be able to tell them. But now, after this class, you'll be able to tell them and I think you should be proud of yourself. Okay. Alright, so let's go into, these are the biblical passages you're gonna meditate upon this week. Okay, you're gonna be meditating upon, so if you don't know where to find the biblical passages, all the biblical passages this week are found in the first book of the Bible, and you learned that last week, I talked about the Pentateuch, remember? Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. So, this week, all of your meditations are going to be taken from the book of Genesis. And what we're going to see is, aside from one, is going to be taken from the book of Revelation, which would be the fall of the angels. But the others are taken from the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. And we're going to see, as a result of sin, how the influences of the negative part of sin in the world, but how God allows evil to bring good out of it. Okay, I told you one of the stories in my life, when I was your age, my passion was to play baseball, and I ruined my arm and my leg, and as a result of that, God said, okay, I don't want you to be a professional baseball player, I want you to be a priest when I was your age I didn't think that way but now I see how good God was that God allowed that suffering in my life to bring me something much greater to be in the spiritual hall of fame rather than Coopersville in New York. So God allows evil to bring greater good out of evil. Alright so okay, okay, the first Bible passage you're gonna have is What happened before the the creation of the world, God created these heavenly beings that are called angels, alright, angels. And these angels, it's not the angels that are playing the Yankees now in Anaheim, okay. These are the angels that God created in heaven and he put them to the test that they had to obey now one of them his name was Lucifer he said I will not serve so there was a battle in heaven between the faithful angels and the rebellious angels and the bad angels were expelled from heaven and in that moment God created hell where the bad angels were cast, and these bad angels, they are called devils. Okay, the devils are angels, but they're bad angels. And these bad angels, the devil, they hate God and they hate us. And all of you have your guardian angel, but all of you have a devil that goes after you too. I'm not saying this to scare you, but all of you have a devil that goes after you. To try to push you to do things that are bad. But the good angels are more powerful than the bad angels. Always remember that. The bad angels are out there, but the good angels are much more powerful than the bad angels. Alright, you see this picture. This is St. Michael the Archangel. Some of you have heard of St. Michael the Archangel. Some of you have maybe even said that prayer, St. Michael the Archangel prayer. We say after Mass every day. So he was the angel that God chose to battle with Lucifer or Satan and he won the battle. Okay, he won the battle. So when you're tempted by the devil, pray to St. Michael the Archangel. He's very powerful. Okay, pray to St. Michael the Archangel, very very powerful. So you're going to be meditating upon that and see that was actually the first sin that was ever committed even before Adam and Eve was a sin of Lucifer and there we have it you're going to be reading through Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 which happens to be the last book of the Bible okay so that will be your meditation you do tomorrow okay Revelation chapter 12 which would be the battle and the fall of the rebellious angels. Alright, next. Okay, Here we have the creation of the first persons. And it was Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they were put to the test, as were the angels. The test of Adam and Eve was they were in the middle of the garden and God said not to eat from the fruit in the middle of the garden. And God said if they do that then they will die. Okay, here we have they already committed the sin Eve was underneath the forbidden the forbidden tree. And the serpent who is the devil, started to talk with Eve. And told Eve, well, why don't you eat from that fruit? And Eve said, no, because God said, if we do eat, then we, they will die. And then the serpent said, you're not going to die. Your eyes will be open, you'll be like unto God's. So the devil lied to Eve, and Eve fell in the trap. Then she took from the fruit from the tree she bit into it and then she gave it to Adam and that is called original sin original sin original sin you find in Genesis chapter 3 in the Bible it's one of the most important passages in the Bible the world is the way it is today because of original sin I call this a moral tsunami that has repercussions until the end of the universe. Okay, somewhat technical language, but hopefully you understand me. It's a moral tsunami. Maybe you've seen a tsunami, right? It's a moral tsunami that has repercussions until the end of the world. We are the way we are because of the sin of Adam and Eve. We were we were conceived and born with original sin, whether you like it or not. Okay. Whether you like it or not, we were conceived and born with original sin. Now, baptism washes it away, but the bad tendencies we have within us are all as a result of original sin, and these are called the capital sins. Maybe you've heard of them lust and greed and gluttony, okay, and sloth, and and anger, and envy. And pride. Those are called the capital sins. So we all have those capital sins within our nature as a result of original sin. So we see the sin of Adam and Eve was huge. I call it a moral tsunami that has repercussions until the end of creation. Until the end of the world. That's huge. So there's so much in this passage, but I'll I'll give you one idea. Why were Adam and Eve there in the first place? They were in the near occasion of sin. And many times we commit sins because we're in the near occasion of sin. We're near the forbidden fruit. You could all meditate an hour on that, baby. How often we're playing with sin. We're playing in danger. We're placing ourselves. We're walking on a slippery slope. We're, We're walking on thin ice. And the Bible says, he who plays in danger will perish in danger. So allow the biblical passage. Allow yourself to be Adam and Eve. What Adam and Eve did, I do and you do it also. We're tempted by the devil. We place ourselves in certain situations and areas that we shouldn't be in. (laughs) And then we pay the consequences. So don't simply read, oh that was kind of nice, uh, mystical, biblical poetry, you know, 4,000 years ago. No, allow that to speak to your own life, what's going on in your own life. How often have you played with fire? Probably every day. How often have you play with fire and to get burnt, huh? How often do we play with fire? No? So this is very important for us to see how often we've imitated Adam and Eve there are only two that did not imitate Adam and Eve. It's called Jesus and Mary. Jesus and Mary, they never commit any sins. But we do commit sins because we follow into the complex of Adam and Eve. Is that clear? So these passages are a huge you're going to meditate upon this week. Among, the, I think, the most important passages in the whole Bible. Okay. Now that, we go from the last book of the Bible in Revelation, now we go to the first book of the Bible. Last week, you were meditating upon Genesis chapter 1 and 2, some of the creation accounts. Now we jump from Genesis 1 to 2. This is Genesis chapter 3. That's the fall of Adam and Eve. So now we're going to be seeing a whole whole series of biblical passages in the book of Genesis. Okay, next. Okay, Adam and Eve had children the first two children that were born into the world they were Cain and Abel they were the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve now if you're honest, if you read through that you're going to see family dynamics if you're honest what happened with Cain and Abel happens in your own family be honest be honest, okay, if if any of you have a brother or sister, almost all of you have brothers and sisters, I'm one of nine, so I understand it better than any of you, okay? Okay, family dynamics, family dynamics, what happened? Cain and Abel, Cain was jealous of Abel. His jealousy led him to anger. His anger led to resentment. His resentment led to hatred. And his hatred led to killing his brother. That happens in your family probably every day. If you're not an only son or daughter. And Admit it. It happens in your family every day. Maybe you're not killing your brother and your sister with a club or a pistol, but how often we can kill with our tongue, huh? You hear me? I know you got, you got ants in your pants because I'm cutting close to the bone, huh? I'm cutting close to the bone, huh? So, the Cain and Abel complex, that's your complex. It happens to you how often there's fights in the family because you think mom or dad has a certain preference for one of your siblings you think hey I'm going to be honest when when I was growing up my mom and dad, a teenager my mom and dad paid less less attention to me you know why? because I had four other siblings that were little kids I was a teenager pretty well behaved my parents didn't have to so, spend so much time with me and my brother, the back surgeon. We were pretty well educated teenagers, but the little ones that were four, five, six, and 7, Mom and Dad, how do you spend more time with them? So, I didn't have anger at my mom and my dad. Simply recognized the others needed more attention than me. But that's not always the case. Sometimes we become jealous because we feel Mom and Dad have a certain preference for one of my siblings. So, really, go through Cain and Abel. Oh, that's nice, 4,000 years ago. Apply it to your own life. Apply it to your own life. That's what we're trying to do in these exercises, is trying to connect the Bible to your own life experience. Okay, got that? All right. Now, I'm, I'm sure most of you have heard, after this, Maybe you've heard of the Tower of Babel. Have any of you heard of that? Okay, how many of you heard of the Tower of Babel? It's Okay, good. So what had happened was, after uh, Cain kills Abel, then there's another son born, Seth, and Adam and Eve have more children, then the world is uh, is is growing in number. So these people wanted to build a... Tower, all the way to heaven. Okay, why why was that a sin? Because building a tower, there's nothing wrong with building a tower. Some of you might be architects or engineers or subcontractors. Some of you might be working in construction. There's nothing wrong with building building um, skyscrapers or, or building. Nothing wrong with that. The problem was that they wanted to build it And push God out of their lives. That's the problem. Got that? They wanted to build it. They said, God, get out of our lives. We want to do it by ourselves. That is called the sin. You know what it is? It's called the sin of pride. Okay? And sometimes we do the same thing. We want to do it our own way. It's my way or the highway, huh? (laughs) It's my way or the highway, as we say. I got to do it the way I want to do it. It's the egotistic trinity. It's not the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's me, myself, and I. Okay? Instead of theology, it's meology. Putting myself first, huh? So in the Tower of Babel, this this is our life. I give in to pride, and so do you at times. We want to do it our our own way, and we fall flat on our face. So, that's the Tower of Babel. How many Towers of Babel have you tried to construct in your lives? Probably many. How many projects or things you wanted to do without consulting God? Think of it, maybe, maybe you, knew, maybe you know, knew better than God in that circumstance. You see, at the heights of stupidity is that, to try to do something without God, we will fall flat on her face. So, these passages, this is where I think the rubber hits the road. This, this is going to hit home, these passages. Okay, let's move on. Okay, the Noah's Ark, I'm sure all of you know about that, right? Remember, remember Noah and the Ark? How many of you heard of Noah's Ark? I think almost all of you. So, what had happened was, as time goes on, uh, people are rejecting God more and more. They're committing more and more sins. They're trying to do it their own way. And God becomes so displeased because of the way the world is going. That God, that God says, I am going to destroy all living beings on the face of planet earth. Pretty strong, huh? Everything. From plants to insects, cats and dogs, tigers and lions, and all the people in the world. So God tells that there's one man that is just, and his name is Noah, and he's got his wife, he's got his daughters and their two husbands. So God tells Noah to build this huge ark. And according to studies they say it was about the size of a football field. Some say that they found the top of Mount Arafat which a football field is about its 100 yards. That's a pretty big ark isn't it? So once it was finished God told Noah to go inside the ark and what did the people do? They started to laugh at Noah and say, you're... you're Noah says, hey, what's going to happen is God is going to send rain down upon the earth destroying every living being on the face of the earth. People looking up, "No, you're an idiot. Look up there. There's not one cloud in the sky. Sun is shining a blue sky. Noah, you're, 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 we thought you are stupid. Now we know you are an idiot. Basically they said. Guess what happened. Noah enters into the ark. First he lets all the animals into the ark. Then he gets in the ark. His wife, his daughters and their husbands. And as soon as they get in the ark, guess what happens. It gets cloudy. It gets windy. And what? it rains and rains and rains and rains one day one week two weeks three weeks four weeks five weeks forty days and all the living creatures on the face of the earth were destroyed and then after the forty days there's a dove that's flying opens up the window then the dove is flying and the dove has a leaf in his beak and Noah recognizes that there's already the water is subsiding and there's already some some uh, dry land and he opens up the ark and the animals and Noah's family comes come outside the ark. So there's there's a lot of things we can think about in that and I'll leave that to the Holy Spirit to enlighten you uh, as to the interpretation of the Noah's Ark. Let's move on to the next. Okay, now, Sodom and Gomorrah. Have any of you heard of Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened? Okay, what happened was things has gotten so bad that Abraham and his nephew had left their home and his nephew Lot had established his home near Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot was the nephew of Abraham and what happened was two very attractive men came to visit the house. But they're not men but they're actually angels but they look like very very handsome men, young attractive men. In Sodom and Gomorrah, and this is what's happening in our country today, there is practice of homosexuality. you heard that word, right? Okay. Homosexuality and lesbianism. What's happening far and wide now, the LGBTQ movement. You've heard of that? So that had happened such that those two cities were filled with with men and women they were practicing uh, unnatural sexuality, which is called lesbianism and homosexuality. And uh, listen to this. You got the angels there and they knocked at the door of Lot and they wanted to, they wanted to rape those angels. That's pretty ugly, huh? They wanted to rape those angels. They thought that the angels were men. So they knocked on the door and Lot said, do nothing, these are just by guests. They said, get out of the way. You're a foreigner anyway. So they confronted the angels and the angels confronted them and blinded them. Because these were angels. And Then God told Lot and his family to get out of that area. And they didn't do anything. So the angels took them by the hand dragged them out and said, don't look behind. And the wife of Lot turned around and she was turned into a pillar of salt. And then God sent down fire and brimstone and he destroyed all the people that lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Try to apply that to what's going on today in our our society. So I'll leave that for your own reflection. Okay? What's happening in our country, we're heading in that direction. In a certain sense even worse. We're heading in that direction. So I'll I'll allow you to read that and maybe even talk it out with your parents. The two key moral issues in our country are abortion, and what is called the the sexual identity crisis. The sexual identity crisis. God created Adam and Eve, right? Not Adam and Steve, right? Was it Adam and Eve or Adam and Steve? Adam, Adam. So Adam, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. So God was showing that he was not happy with these two cities, with the people... Unnatural sexuality Men with men And women with women You got it? So this is Genesis chapter 19 So people try to defend Same sex marriages And lesbianism And homosexuality Okay, point to Genesis chapter 19 now That's the best chapter in the Bible uh, That's the best chapter in the Bible and we cannot do select. We can't do selective reading. Well, I like this chapter, but I don't like that chapter. You can't do that. It's called cafeteria Catholicism. Pick and choose. You can't do that. We have to accept the the fullness of the truth that's presenting from the Bible. So I, I know it's a strong passage, but it's in the Bible, Genesis 19. Okay, next. Toward the end of the book of Genesis, have any of you ever heard of Joseph of the Old Testament? Any of you? Just a few of you. Okay, you got Saint Joseph. You have Saint Joseph in the New Testament, but you have Joseph in the Old Testament. You probably remember. He was one of twelve. His brothers were jealous of him because he had the multicolored cloak. And they took him and then they threw him in the they threw him in the well and half of his brother wanted to kill him and Reuben wanted to save him. Remember he ends up in Egypt with the Pharaoh. Remember that? Okay. Now here's a picture. He's in the Pharaoh's palace and this woman is trying to seduce him. Okay? You know what the word seduction means, right? This woman is trying to seduce him. So Joseph, what does he do? He runs away. And what does this girl do? She says, he was trying to take advantage of me. So she lied. She slandered. Character assassination. She calumniated him. Guess where he ends up? In jail. Ends up in jail. But then the Pharaoh has these dreams. And who is the only one that's able to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh? Joseph. So Pharaoh takes Joseph. Joseph. To be the second most powerful man in the world. Because there was a famine in the whole world. And Pharaoh takes Joseph to ration out the grain. For all the people. His brothers come in. And Joseph instead of getting revenge to his brothers. He forgives his brothers. Okay? So there's a lot in this one here. But face it. We all have temptations. Adam and Eve were tempted Joseph was tempted Joseph is perhaps the most holy person in the Old Testament he's a Christ figure he was tempted and he rejected it his brother tried to kill him he forgave his brothers he's a Christ figure in which Jesus is innocent and Jesus never committed any sin and Jesus said Father forgive them because they do not know what they're doing so these are the passages you're going to have these week, this week, aren't they cool? I mean, so I, I've given you, I've given you a brief summary of these, but I think you're really going, I think you're really going to go deep into them. You, you'll read it and you'll be able to follow my summary. All right, let's jump from there to our trivia now. Okay? So you're going to have your handout, the biblical passage, and my commentary. Then the three questions. What, what was the overall message? What struck you? And your little prayer. Okay, you got that? That's, that's the dynamic of your meditations. So, right now, here's, the, here's our biblical trivia today. Okay. How, oh, how many sacraments are there? Okay, good. That's, that's How many There are seven. Okay, I'm going to give you a catechetical definition of a sacrament, if you can write this down. Sacrament is an external sign instituted by Jesus to confer grace. Okay, It's kind of a technical definition, but it's the best you have out there. A sacrament is an external sign instituted by Jesus to confer grace. I'll say it again. A sacrament is an external sign instituted by Jesus to confer grace. Okay, got it. Okay, so let's move on now. to Can Can you name them? Okay, good. I think some of you are able to name the the seven sac. Okay, can you name them? Can I name them? All? Well, um, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. You do it. Yeah. Well done. Okay. Okay. Well done. Yeah. Good. Well done. I'm going to give it in a different order. You did it well, but I think it's a good idea to have the the proper order. And I'm going to divide the sacraments into three categories. Okay. This is the way I'd like to do it. Uh, So they can be divided into three different categories. Okay, sacraments of initiation. Can any of you tell me what would be the three sacraments of initiation? Go ahead. Baptism Baptism and. There are three. Communion and. Okay, great. Well done. Good. Okay, so you didn't hear her. Okay, so it's baptism, communion, and confirmation. So say for example you have a friend that's, that's 18 and he's not baptized, he would go to an adult catechism program for about a year and Easter Sunday, the Easter Vigil Mass, the Holy Saturday, he would be baptized, make his first communion and confirmation all that same night. All that same night. So those are the sacraments of initiation. Alright, sacraments of healing. What would they be? Ashley? Uh, The anointing of the sick, um, confession. You you got it? Okay, good. Say say a little bit louder. The anointing of the sick, confession. Great, perfect. Okay, so sacraments of healing are, yeah, this is a smart group, anointing of the sick and the sacrament of confession. So when you go to confession, and hopefully you go to confession at least once a month. When you go to confession, Jesus is present in the priest. And you're being healed. That's huge. You're being healed. Because sin wounds us. Confession heals us. And confession is Jesus the healer. Okay, good. Then you have the anointing of the sick. Do any of you have any parents or grandparents that received the anointing of the sick? Okay, I received it because I had an operation. If you have an, you have an operation and you have to have anesthesia, then the church allows you to get the anointing of the sick. And as a priest, I've given, I've given it hundreds of times. Like women going to have their baby and it's going to be C-section. Father, can you please give the anointing of the sick? Of course. Your grandmother's 90 years old. She's really weak. Can she receive the anointing of the sin? I have it in my confessional. And I'll, just, I'll just do it right there in the confessional. Okay, so those are the two sacraments of healing. Okay, now, sacraments of service. What would they be? You only have two, you only have two left. Yeah. Okay, Holy Order is a priesthood. Holy Order is a priesthood. What would the other one be? Marriage What do your mom and dad would have? Okay, good. So it's holy orders, or the priesthood, well said. And it's also uh, holy matrimony. So, holy matrimony, you're at the service of the family and life. Okay, holy orders, you're at the service of the church, the people of God. Got that? So holy mat, you're at the service of the family and life, uh, human life. Whereas the priesthood... You're at the service of the church, which is the family of God. Okay? Good. Well done. Okay, right now, well, right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you where you can find the sacraments in the Bible. So, you're going to be filling in the biblical passage. Okay, first would be baptism. Okay, I'm going to take... I'm going to take, um, Matthew 3.13 is, I'm not going to read it, but it's the baptism of Jesus. So you can write that in to your notebook. Okay, Matthew 3.13 is the baptism of Jesus. So we actually have three here. Okay, now, you got that in there? Yes. Uh, don't copy everything, just write down... Uh, MT 313. Alright, the next is the last words of Jesus in the Bible in Matthew. Matthew 28. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's called the missionary mandate of Jesus. Before He goes up into heaven He tells them to go out and preach, but baptize everyone my friends, we got a lot of work to do. You know why? How many people in China? 1.1 1. 1. 1 billion? Is that what it is? India? I think it's about the same. How many people are baptized in India and China? Barely any. So we got a lot of work to do, don't we? You know, about 8 billion people in the world. China and India, barely any Catholic. So we've got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of work to do. Okay. And then John chapter 3, some of you maybe saw, um, Chosen with Jonathan Rumi. Okay? okay, do you remember when Jesus was meeting Nicodemus at night? So Nicodemus, Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being war- born of the water and the spirit. So that's John 3, 5, showing the necessity of baptism. So we want to get to heaven, we've got to be baptized. Okay, so those are three verses that refer to baptism. Let's move on. Next. Okay. Sacrament reconciliation. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus entrusted power to resolve sins to the apostles. Okay, write down John 20, 21 to 23. And I'll give you the context this is Easter Sunday night the apostles are in the upper room with the doors closed because they're afraid that they're going to be arrested they're going to die like Jesus so they're filled with fear so Jesus walks right through the wall okay when Jesus rose from the dead he could travel faster than light think about being in Mexico now Jesus could could travel faster than your thoughts Okay, and he could walk right through a door So, the apostles are there, filled with fear. He comes in and he says, Shalom. Shalom, which means, peace be with you. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive, they will be forgiven. Whose sins they will held bound, will be held bound. So that, anyone asks you about confession, there you have it. John 20, 21 to 23. Got it? It's cool. If someone asks, where's confession in the Bible? They have it. 20, John 20, 21 to 23. And it happened to have been the Easter gift. That was Easter Sunday night, the gift that Jesus gave to the church through the priests and through the bishops. Okay, let's move on. Next. The Eucharist. This is the greatest of all sacraments. So if you go to Luke chapter 19... I'm sorry, Luke chapter 22, 19 to 20. Jesus took the bread, said the blessing, broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which will be given up for you. Do this in memory of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my love, blood which will be shed for you. So there you have the institution of the Eucharist. I'm going to throw out a couple more verses at you that are not here. But go to Matthew 26, 26. Go to Matthew 26, 26. That's a parallel passage. Remember when we talked about the synoptic, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you go to Matthew, you can find it, Matthew 26, 26. Let me give you one other. Okay, write down John chapter 6. And write down the bread of life discourse the bread of life discourse where Jesus says I am the bread of life whoever eats my body and drinks my blood will have everlasting life and I'll raise him up on the last day that was a eucharistic prophecy and John 6 was a eucharistic prophecy whereas Luke 22 19 and Matthew 26 26 was the actual institution of the sacrament. Where and when was that? Holy Thursday night and that happened Holy Thursday night in the upper room. That's when Jesus instituted two sacraments which would be the Eucharist and the Priesthood. One depends upon the other of course. Next. Okay, confirmation. How many of you have been confirmed? Okay, I think that's almost all of you. Most of you have been confirmed. Okay, so, this is, the, this is the key passage for confirmation. Okay, it's Pentecost. Have you heard the word Pentecost? Okay, Pentecost is what? The apostles were with Mary, praying nine days and nine nights. They're praying and fasting. And then, in the upper room, it was almost like an earthquake. Powerful wind. And then, what happened over the head of Mary and the apostles, there were tongues of fire. Tongues of fire. Then they'd be able to to speak different languages. And then Peter gets up, who denied Jesus a few days earlier. Peter gets up, he gives a homily, and converts 3,000 people in one homily. Wow. Talk about power. He denied Jesus, Holy Thursday night then after the coming of the Holy Spirit he gets up converting three thousand people in one homily try to so imagine our, our big church there filled okay three times you're preaching and those people are converted in one homily that's powerful that's the power of the Holy Spirit okay let's move on next we have holy matrimony which is Mark 10 4 to 12. And this is a very important passage today because sad to say it's been legalized same-sex marriages which we don't agree with. Okay, we don't agree with that. Even though it was legalized about three years ago, we still don't agree with it. Everything that legal is not always moral. Because abortion has been legalized but it's immoral. So morality and legality are not always on the same page. You got that? Most of the laws we have in the country are pretty good. But some are terrible. They're killing babies and saying a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman. That's wrong. And this is... Jesus is quoting the book of Genesis. So someone asks you, okay, how do you know that marriage is between one man and one woman? Jesus told us. So people who say that's wrong Father Larry said this They're calling Jesus a liar That's blasphemy That's strong isn't it They're calling Jesus a liar Saying that Jesus didn't know what he was doing that's, a, that's blasphemy It's a very serious sin No one knows more than Jesus Christ Jesus is God He's the greatest teacher in the world So this is what Jesus says and he, Jesus is quoting the book of Genesis. Jesus is quoting the Bible. He says, God made them male and female. Okay, man and woman, boy and girl. God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, male and female, and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. Okay. In our social, political, academic environment, my friends, that's one of the most important passages in the Bible right now. So try to memorize it. Right now, what's going on? I consider this to be one of the most important passages in the whole Bible. Try to memorize it. Try to memorize it someone say someone trying to defend same-sex union lesbians living together men living together uh, I don't agree with that because Jesus said this is the way it is okay that's the most powerful argument okay the most powerful argument is defending what Jesus himself said no one goes beyond that is that clear so I'm, I'm really happy that I'm with you because after abortion this is a key moral problem in the world today which militates against the family. And if you destroy the family, my friends, you haven't studied history yet, but if you study Greek civilization, Roman civilization, all the great civilizations went down the tube when the family was destroyed. You'll study that in history eventually. When the great civilizations crumbled because the family was in crisis. And our society is in danger. So we have to fight for the unborn baby we have to fight for the family. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. Next. Hold the orders. I really like that picture, don't you? Yes. You know who that is? That's you. <laughs> right, that's me. When I was young. You know who that you know who that bishop is? What? That's, oh, a saint. Pope John Paul II, he ordained me a priest. He's a saint, right? So I am holy hair. Wow. I am a walking relic. So when my barber cuts my hair, she saves my hair. All right. So, there's a biblical passage it's Luke chapter 22 19 right after Jesus institutes the Eucharist then he institutes the priesthood so that's the verse that follows the institution of the Eucharist do this in memory of me and we have John Harden the main reason he has been ordained is because of the Eucharist. So true is this that if we would specify the heart of the priesthood, we would say, have to have to say it is the Eucharist, Eucharist as presence and the Eucharist as sacrifice. Amen. So do we have one more? I think we have the anointing of the sick. Okay, so we've got the anointing of the sick that you can find in James chapter 5 verse 14 to 15 and this is what the Bible says is any man sick among you let him bring in the priests of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord that's James 5:14 and 15 So what do you think? Was it a helpful class? Yes, yes. Amen. Right? Okay, so it was great uh, being with you. Okay, don't forget now every day you have to find a little time to read the biblical passage and my commentary and respond to the three questions. I'm going to say Hail Mary for all of you that you will really fall in love with Jesus Christ. Together. Hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, and Mother of God, pray for our sinners now at the hour of our death. And, okay. Right now, if you can sit down for a couple of minutes, we're going to be dividing our class into groups up with the help of Gerardo. Right? Okay. So close. We're going to sing one. Right now? Okay. We're going to sing a. We're going to sing a quick uh, a quick song, Gerardo. Yeah.